Pastor Hilton has obviously made trip now. There, you guys may all not be aware of the sacrifice that that this man is making to be here on Sunday nights. Um, of course, you know they have Sunday morning service, and I think their service is about is a little bit later than ours, ten thirty, right? Or you guys sleep in on Sunday morning? No, I'm just kidding. But uh, uh, their service is a little bit later, but that means that they have to get things in order so they can get here. And uh, so they have as much grace in the afternoon, as much time, but they also have midweek service. So he has to prepare three messages unless he has a visiting preacher with him. And uh, so, Pastor Hilton, thank you for carving out the time to be with us tonight. I, for one, am very grateful. And I'm not just saying that, I'm not mincing words. I really mean it. And so without further ado, I want you to come and preach to me. Can we all say that together? Let's all stand in honor of the man of God and the word of God. Uh, Pastor Hilton, come and preach to me. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. It's always a privilege to be able to come and to be home with everybody. And uh, some of y'all, some of y'all weren't here when I called this place home. And uh, I'm thankful for that. I love new faces, and uh, I know I love new people. And we've all fallen in love with each and every one of you very dearly. I, I don't count it as, I, I don't ever want to take it for granted, um, the opportunities that Bishop op, uh, calls me and asks me to be in the pulpit. There's, 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 those are great shoes to feel, and uh, I don't feel adequate to be able to do that. Amen. But. Uh, Nonetheless, here we are tonight, and uh, I've come hungry for God to have his perfect way in this service tonight, and I want my daughter to come, get ready, and uh, I've been struggling all afternoon. I got up early this morning and felt like God pointed me in a direction, and as we were driving here, a song came on, the and we began to sing, and in the midst of us singing this song, I felt like God began to change my direction. And this is a song Reagan has sang at home at, in our in our church. And I asked her, would you feel okay coming and singing it tonight? And uh, just, I want you to worship with us. You can be seated right now and uh, just worship the Lord with us as we Endeavor to worship the Lord. <clears throat> Praise God. Amen. Let's worship the Lord today.
you, Savior, for your goodness and mercy today. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. Hallelujah. Praise God. I have come to tell you that he saves and that he is coming back. Not just for me, not just for the old timers, but he's coming back for you. Amen. That's the God that I serve. The Bible says that he has he is no respecter of person. Amen. That means he doesn't care if you're tall, short, fat, rich, poor, bald. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you come from. God still loves you and God still plans to take you home with him. Hallelujah. Praise God. He is still on the throne tonight. And I'm thankful that I am a part of his family this evening. How do I know it? Because I've been filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in his name. Amen. And when his spirit came inside, I spoke in tongues when the Holy Ghost came. Amen. He is a good God. Praise God. <clears throat> Praise God. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 3. <clears throat> we're going to read the first seven verses and then we're going to jump to verse 21. By the way, whoever you are that is praying for snow, we are praying for opposite things. <clears throat> Please stop. <laughs> if you want snow, go back to Colorado. They got plenty for you. Amen. Praise God. Just what I like about going to Colorado is I can go there. I can join a little bit of snow, and then I can come home, and everything's all right. <clears throat> and uh, I can get enough feel of it. I tell you, the other day when we were driving home from Colorado, uh, after going to see the family for Christmas, uh, we counted three semis off the road. One was on his side. One was about to flip. We saw nine cars, and that was before we got to the Colorado border, back heading back into Kansas. And so that was in less than an hour's drive from Lyman to the border. And uh, I told Reagan, I said, man, I don't want this anywhere near me. Uh, and then here we go. Here it comes this week. Amen. But uh, anyhow, God will give us the whatever it takes to make it through whatever comes our way, right? Amen. Even if, Brother Hall, I don't like it very much, he'll give me the strength to endure. Amen. Praise God. Hopefully I got plenty of coffee set at the house so I don't have to go out. We'll be all right. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 7, and then verse 21. <clears throat> now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of, of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the Fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, <clears throat> You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. For God does know that in the day you eat of it, 
Then your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, not knowing good and evil. But when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And the eyes of them were both opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together. Can I say it this way? And they attempted to cover themselves and made themselves aprons. But verse 21 says this, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothed them. He made them coats of skin and he clothed them. Now, I will tell you, I battled with this in my mind because Brother Mendez has already heard me teach this lesson. I didn't know they were coming, but it took me two weeks to teach this lesson. I don't have two weeks, so I'm going to do my best to preach everything that I can get off of my heart that's in this lesson. don't know if it's going to end up teaching or if I'm going to end up preaching at some point. But I do have a foundation and a burden that I want to get across this evening. Let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts today. Lord, we love you. <clears throat> My God, I thank you for your grace and mercy. My Lord, I'm asking that you would speak to us today, to us, open our hearts and minds, that we could receive your word. I'm asking that you would anoint these lips of clay, that I could speak, God, what thou say the word of the Lord. Ask and bind our hearts and minds together in this place. We thank you for your grace and mercy today. We glorify you. Can we give him a hand clap of praise today? Oh, we love you, Jesus. Oh, we love you. Oh, we love you. Oh, we love you. You can be seated tonight. Now, there are a few things that I want to point out <clears throat> before I get to where I want to go. I want you to understand, and, I, and this is not going to be the sole purpose of this lesson, but I think that we need to cover these bases before I get to where I'm going. But the Bible says that the serpent was subtle. He came to Eve and he began to talk to Eve and, and, and I'm going to trust that many of us know this story and, and that I'm not going to go down into too many uh, rabbit trails trying to, trying to glean certain things and I'm, I'm going to try to cut to the chase. But, but I want you to understand that the, the enemy saw uh, something about Eve that, that he realized that, uh, hey, she continues to look at that tree or, or something happened. I told the church, I said, some reason that serpent knew that he could 
start suggesting that she began to touch the tree, amen, when, um, when he began to work with her and began to talk to her in verse 1, uh, and, and he said, hey, can you not eat of every tree? You can't eat of that one. Uh, and, and, and my point in, in all of this being, the enemy knows what you're looking at. The enemy knows what your focus is upon. The enemy knows if you are entertaining things that you should not entertain. Amen. And that ends up giving the enemy an inroad to begin to say, hey, here's a little more temptation. Amen. Does the preacher really, will you really... Will things happen that the preacher said across the pulpit and he'll take what's been said in the word of God and he'll twist it ever so slightly. He'll take it and he'll begin to play upon your mind and he will begin to say, all right, I'm telling you that you won't really die if you eat of that tree. I, I want you to understand, uh, she, she told, she told the, the serpent that, that, that she had been told that she shouldn't even touch the tree. But that wasn't in the original. That wasn't in the original commandment. Uh, but but when, when the enemy locked on to that aspect, uh, he began to tell her, hey, it's going to be all right. Just reach out and begin to feel that just a little bit. Uh, why don't you take a, why don't you pluck one of them off? And as long as you don't eat it, it's going to be all right. And, and, and she began to study it. And she began to realize, hey, this looks good. This looks good. And before long, it wasn't okay just to touch it. It wasn't okay to feel it. It wasn't okay just to, just to, just to handle it. But now, she had to take a step further. And the enemy said, hey, you're not really going to die. You're not. God just knows that you're going you're gonna to have a revelation of new things. The Bible says, remove not the old landmarks. Brother Pharaoh said a while ago that we should walk in the old path wherein is the good way. It's absolute that we should walk in his precepts. We should consider everything that the word of God has to say. Honey, I want you to understand pastor does not let stand up and, and say, well, you can't do this and you can't do that because he hates you. There are lines that he feels that i got to say, oh, here we go. I'm not here to preach on this, this entirely, but I just want you to understand. Adam tried to set some guidelines. He said, don't touch it. He said, don't, don't even reach over and, 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 and touch it. And she did anyway. And it went from one thing to the next. And then Adam picked it up and, and he began to eat. And, and we know the story that they both realized that they were now exposed. They were no longer covered by the glory and the grace of God. But they were now exposed and vulnerable to everything. Sin always affects us immediately. The first thing that sin does, it brings awareness into your life. The second thing that begins to work when sin is entered in is shame begins to work upon your heart and mind. 
And then you realize that that inner man, that, that thing that you hold sacred, has now been uncovered. And it is naked. And it is lacking without God. And then fear settles in. And you begin to hide. Because you're scared you're going to be found out. I'm just explaining how sin works, folks. Sin begins to work upon our hearts. Sin begins to work upon our minds. And, and, and we know that when we realize we've messed up, fear begins to work on our hearts. And we begin to shun away from anybody that we feel like may be able to see. And when I was a young person and I was doing stuff I wasn't supposed to be doing, I was so scared when I'd walk in the house of the Lord because I'm, I was so worried that the preacher was going to send, that as he was preaching, he could see right on the inside of my soul. Let me tell you something, newsflash. The preacher can't see inside your soul, but God can. I have seen God reveal things through the man of God. I've seen God begin to work upon the man of God as he's preaching and, and he began to, 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 to pull and to, and to push on those things that, that have been introduced into somebody's life sitting in the congregation and, 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 and God exposed a sin and, 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 and the preacher not even really, Brother Hall, know what he's dealing with or whom he's dealing with. But God knew exactly what needed to be dealt with in that moment, in that hour. And as we know, as a result of the sin, you can study it for yourself. But there in the book of Genesis chapter 3, God, be, God comes walking through the garden. The Bible says, in the cool of the day. Brother Brody, they knew God was coming at a certain time. And the Bible says they hid themselves. And the Lord comes walking. They heard the voice of the Lord walking through the garden. No doubt saying, Adam, Eve, Adam, where you at? And finally they got enough, I don't know what word to use, they got enough courage to step out from their hiding place. And they said, here we are, Lord covered in their meager little fig leaves. And immediately God, uh, God already knew what happened. But there was a visible change in their life. You with me today? They didn't look like they used to when sin entered into their life. And I, I, I didn't come today to, to belabor this point, but I just want you to understand when sin comes in, it will affect and you will, it will be visible to God and eventually those that are really praying and seeking the face of God will begin to feel the effects of the sin in your life, especially if you're part of the church. Because when a part of the body, let me ask you something, Everybody, anybody ever hit your thumb with a hammer? 
Yeah, I have. I've split it wide open. My whole body, Brother Toby, was, was aching and throbbing all the way down to my feet because my body was trying to make up for the pain and help that thumb. If you fall into sin, can I say it this way? You've hit yourself in the thumb. It affects the entire body that you're a part of. Can I say this? When you decide to be lazy, living for God, guess what? It drags everybody else down. Why? Because the rest of the body has to begin to work even more to fill in for what you're lacking. Well, hallelujah. This is not where I want to be today, but God begins to help those that want to help themselves. God is a gentleman. We see in the book of Revelation where he is standing at the door knocking. He's not barging through the door of the Laodicean church, but he's standing there saying, hey, if anybody will hear me and they will open the door and let me come in, I will go in there and I will sup with them. But how many times when we hear the knocking of the Lord, we feel so ashamed and we're like, man, I don't want, I don't want to be judged and I don't want, I don't want to deal with what I'm going through and, 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 and God doesn't want me anymore. I've heard that too many times in my lifetime. Let me tell you something. Somebody's got to understand that's a lie from hell. That is a lie from hell. He paid the price for your soul. Why would he throw you in the trash just because you failed him? He's extended mercy time and time again. He's not going to forsake you. He said, I will go with you even to the end of the earth if need be. So why in the world do we hold back and say, my God, I don't want, I don't want you to come in. I, I don't want you to see how bad I failed you. Honey, he already knows how bad you failed him. That's why he's knocking. He's saying, hey, let me come on in. Let me do some, do some cleansing on the inside. Hey, let me come and set the dinner table. We need to, we need to sup together. We need to let the Holy Ghost begin to work in our hearts and our minds like we've never allowed him to come into our lives before. Why? Because we got a world that's out there lost and dying and they're waiting on somebody like you to get over yourself and say, here I am, God. Let me know what it is you want me to do and help me to help somebody else. Hallelujah. So that's the effects of sin. It makes you feel vulnerable. It makes you feel naked. As a young man, I don't know if I've ever said this before out in public before. Hopefully it don't change anybody's opinion of who I am and what, I, what God's called me to do. But as a young man, I was involved in some stuff that left me feeling exposed. 
And I had a dream one day. It's been many years ago. I don't know why it came back to me right now. But I had a dream one night that I had gone to church and I was sitting on the front pew just like I always do. And worship is happening and I'm sitting there and the next thing I realize I'm sitting there and can I just say this way I'm completely exposed. Brother Hall, believe it or not, not too long after I had that dream that I had come into that church and I, into the service and I, and I was completely exposed that Bishop got up and preached a message and he told a story of Elder Davis. And Elder James Davis told this story of a young woman that came to him and said, I have had multiple dreams that every time I come into your church, I am stark naked when I come through the doors of your church. And Elder Davis said, it's because of all of the sin that you refuse to repent of. It is leaving you spiritually exposed. And I took it to heart and I found me an altar. And I spent hours praying in that altar. Because I knew I had to get myself clothed with something that was lasting. Something that was going to last me for an eternity. Not just going through the motions of coming to church and, and saying, man, here I am. I'm going to do my little jig. I'm going to clap my hands a few times. Hop, hop up and down. And, and I'm going to sing as loud as I can every once in a while. But no, I'm going to spend some time digging in my relationship and saying, God, I've exposed myself through allowing sin to come on the inside of my heart. And God, I need you to help me become clothed one more time. So tonight... After laying a slight foundation here, I want to preach about this subject for just a little bit longer. The importance of the covering of his blood. Woo! The importance of the covering of his blood. You see, honey, Adam and Eve, they knew that they were uncovered. So they went and they said, man, I'm going to. I'm going to go cut off a few fig leaves. I'm going to sew them together and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best to make some kind of a covering for myself. Because I know God's coming just down the road here a piece. And, and I know he's going to want to talk with me and Eve. And, and, and I want to make sure that we're presentable to the Lord. And now we're naked. And we can't, we can't come before the Lord like we are right now. And so they sewed fig leaves together. And the Lord said, where were you? 
where are you at? And they came out and they said, Lord, we were afraid to come out before you because we were naked. And the Lord asked a question. Who told you you're naked? Who told you that this was the case? Nothing's changed except for one thing. You've partaken of the forbidden thing. You, you, you've, you've allowed yourself to get involved in something that isn't, uh, isn't uh, okay with God. And, and he set a precedent. Now you say, man, it would have been all right if God wouldn't have put that tree in the garden and, and he wouldn't have set those guidelines and, and, and everything would be all right. We'd be living in Eden and, and, and it'd be a perfect world and, and everything would be excellent and, 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 and we wouldn't have to worry about anything and our food would be there every day. We didn't have to worry whether it's raining or not. We wouldn't have to worry whether it's going to snow. In fact, it would never snow, thank and, and, and I can tell you this, uh, uh, as, as, we began, as we began to contemplate what was going on there, uh, uh, and you say, why in the world would God put a temptation in the middle of the garden? Well, in my mind, it's pretty simple. He already has beings that were created to worship him day in and day out. But the Bible clearly shows us that he wanted some people that he could have a relationship with. But he didn't want it to be a forced relationship. He wanted it to be a relationship that we chose. And if we chose to turn our back on him as we did. When we're left to our own vices, we're not always okay. But God finished. He did reprimand them. Curses came from it. We all know this part of the story. But before God was done with Adam and Eve, Brother Larson, he said, we're not finished yet. I got one more thing to do. Can I get verse 21 up back up there for just a moment? Unto Adam also to his wife did the Lord make coats of skin and he clothed them he clothed them he said your, your, your little meager attempts to clothe yourself aren't good enough I want to make sure that you're covered adequately and so I Nobody, I've studied this, I, I can't find exactly what kind of skins these were. The Bible just calls them skins. But something had to die to provide its skin. And the very first time in Scripture we see a blood sacrifice. To do what? For their covering. 
That's why it's no accident that when God established the ceremonial law with Moses, he instituted blood sacrifice for so many things, especially for your sin. You say, well, does that mean we need to go get some goats and some sheep? No, that's not what I'm talking about. Just ride with me for a minute longer. There's the ceremonial law that, the, that, that Moses taught and, and they lived throughout the Old Testament. Somebody would sin, they'd have to bring a spotless lamb. And they would have it killed and sacrificed upon an altar. And the blood was shed. Let me tell you something. Some of you want to be a part of ministry maybe one day. Excellent. But priesthood was not a a beautiful job. Priesthood was not a clean job all of the time. It was bloody. It stank. It was work. Not only, I got to be careful because I could chase a lot of rabbits tonight, but I want you to understand, not only did they have to sacrifice and shed the blood of innocent lambs that were spotless upon the altar, but the scripture told the priesthood that they must always keep the fire burning upon the altar and they could never let it go out. Why is that so important? Because I want you to understand God ignited the first fire and God expects you to take the fire that he ignited and he wants you to make sure that that fire is continually burning day in and day out. That's why sometimes you gotta wake up in the middle of the night and say, all right, God, my fire's grown a little bit cold. It's time for me to put a little more fire upon the altar one more time. Woo! You're not going to be able to sacrifice the things you need to sacrifice. You're not going to be able to make the things, amen, that God requires in your life if you don't have the fire of of prayer in your life on a regular basis. I'm getting somewhere. <coughs> Just last Sunday, I asked my church, I said, How many of you have ever heard of what's called a mourner's bench? When I ask you the same question, how many of you have ever heard of the mourner's bench? How many of you know how to use a mourner's bench? Now, one thing that I can say is I can see the precepts and the concepts of the mourner's bench in the scripture, but you're not going to find a mourner's bench in the scripture. The first mourner's bench that I found in history 
actually, and maybe a bishop can correct me and others that are much smarter than I can and can can set me right. But but if I'm wrong, I stand to be corrected. But what I what my research unfolded was that the first mourner's bench, the thing we call an altar. They also called it the anxious bench. They also called it the penitence form. The place where we make things right with God. And I preached from this thought, it's time to revive the mourner's bench in our life. Too many times, Brother Hall, I see that we, 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 we're satisfied just going through the motions and not allowing ourselves to find us a place to where we can lay our anxiety on a bench somewhere and give it to God and say, here it is. I told our church, and I'm not, I'm not preaching that to this church, but you guys do what your leadership says. But I want you to understand, there is something about getting out from behind the chairs. And I said I was going to tell you where it came from. From what I could find was the late 1900s into the early, I'm sorry, the late 1800s into the early 1900s and the revivals that, that, that began to sweep across the nation. Uh, they began to build benches in the front of the auditoriums uh, simply because uh, they wanted to draw people out of their comfort zones so that they can find a place and, and, and say, hey, I'm stepping out of my comfort zone and I want everybody to know I'm acting upon the faith that I have on the inside and I'm going to spend some time in front of everybody. God, my brother, my sister, the preacher, I don't care who sees me go. I'm going to go down to a mourner's bench and I'm going to spend some time asking God to make me right. Oh, it's time that the church decides we're done playing games. And it's time for us to get on our feet and begin to fight this battle in this last hour that we're living in. There's people in this world that are only going to be saved because you reached out to them. But how are you going to reach out to them if you're living in sin and you're not allowing God to work in your heart? Oh, help me, Jesus. I could go through. I got all kinds of notes here and scriptures and such. And, and if you want to see my notes, I'll send them to you. I don't care. I, I just want you to understand that it is simply in the scripture that God emphasized the shedding of blood for the redemption of sin. And he still today requires the shedding of blood for the redemption of our sins so that we may, amen, obtain salvation. No, we don't have places in this church to do blood sacrifices. Bear with me a minute. I do want to cover this one spot. The Old Testament, the law of Moses instituted sacrifice, sacrificial uh, system involving the shedding of blood for the atonement of our sins. You have things like the Passover. 
Yom Kippur. You can go through some of these different celebrations and these 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 uh, times that the people of God were to get together and and do certain things, but especially the Passover. Why the Passover? Well, if you've got your Bible, we can go over to Exodus. And I want to show you, this isn't new to many of you probably, but I want you to see some things here in the Word of God. According to the law, once a year, one priest, the high priest, had a duty. He had to keep himself Pure, he had to do certain things within the temple before he was allowed to step into the holiest place. He once a year would take one lamb and he would enter into the most holy place and he would begin to sacrifice a lamb upon the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. It was at this time every year that all of the sins of the people of Israel would be rolled forward from this year to the next year at Passover. What did this originate from? In Exodus chapter number 12, the Bible says, Then Moses called for the elders of Israel, said to them, Draw out and take you a lamb. Everybody say a lamb. According to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop And dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. So I want you to get this picture in your mind with me today. I should have grabbed something, but it's all right. Just imagine I got a I got a I got a, a batch of thick reeds in my hand that can serve as a paintbrush. That's what hyssop was. Dipping it in a bowl of the blood that we just drained out of the lamb that we just killed and that we got cooking on the stove over there. And Moses and the elders began to command the people. Don't throw the blood out, but use the blood and cover. Everybody say cover. Cover the doorpost of the house in which you are in. And Brother Larson, they began to paint that blood upon, if it was me, (laughs) 
And I already seen the other turmoil that that God brought against the Egyptians and, and understanding that this is my only hope to escape what the man of God has just now told Pharaoh that was coming their way. Honey, I'm going to get as much of that blood as I can. I don't care if it's dripping on my head as I walk through the doorway. I'm covering that doorway from top to bottom all around as much as I can. Because I, honey, I don't want uh, that old death angel to come through by my house uh, and just have to and, and have to continue to look at my door and maybe just slip into my house because I didn't cover it with near enough blood, uh, amen, to protect my home and to protect my family. You say, well, you're, you're not giving much credence to the, the angel. Well, you know what? Me, I'm one of those guys where you tell me God tells me to do something, I'm going to take it and I'm going to run with it as far as I can and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure every square inch is covered that God has told me to work on. That way when I come back to God, he doesn't look at me and say, son, why didn't you do this and why didn't you do that? Uh, Amen, you're missing out on the blessing that I promised you because you didn't do enough. Josiah, I don't want his, I don't want his track record. I just want you to understand. Remember Brother Hall? Now, When he came before the prophet, the prophet came over and he said, take your bow and pointed out the window. And so he come and he put his hands upon the king's hands and he helped him draw back and he shot. And then after the man of God was finished telling him and showing him how to shoot, he said, I want you to take those arrows and I want you to smite the ground. And I want you to smite it with everything you've got. And he did it three times. I don't know. I feel like I've heard this preached somewhere recently, but let me tell you something. Thank you, brother. I got to be careful. What's that? I, I didn't think Josiah was right. Thank you. Joash, it was. He began and he took it. Can I just use my imagination? He said, smite the ground. And so Joash just, he grabs his, his arrows and I just can imagine And immediately, the prophet became angry. And he, can I say it 
my words. He said, I would to God you would have smit the ground as many times as you possibly could. Why? Because I'm going to give you that many victories and that many, that many, that much power to overcome the enemy in your life. We can't afford just to go through the motions at church, Brother Farrell. I didn't come. I didn't come just to go through the motions and say, oh, Lord, I love you today. Lord, I just I, I thank you for helping me. Thank you for saving me. No, God, you're wonderful. God, you're great. God, you're holy. God, you're magnificent. Why? Because he's everything to me. I can imagine those Israelites dipping and swaying that stuff all over the doorway. Oh, I don't know if I got enough. I got to make sure that spot's covered. Oh, wait a minute. There's a little spot right there. I got to cover it. And they kept on, they kept on covering the doorway. That way anybody that came into the house experienced the salvation that night that they, that they were expecting. And wow. There were weeping and wailings going on in the house next door, the house across the street, those houses that had the covering of the blood. There wasn't no weeping. Not in the house. No. <laughs> oh. They even... Had, if I remember right, I, 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 if I remember right, reading that they they would invite other folks over, and if you if if you didn't have enough people in your home to eat all of the lamb that night, you had to eat everything because you needed all the energy you needed. Because hey, we're about to march out of this Egyptian bondage tonight. It came through the covering of the blood. It's where it began. The obedience to the word of God that went forth and said, hey, I've got to cover my home. I've got to make sure anybody that comes through that door, amen, knows that they are in a safe place. Let me read to you what, what, what they said to the people. Verse 23, I stopped at verse 22 on purpose. Verse number 23, for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. It was never his will to smite his people with the Egyptians. But if they didn't obey, that was a possibility. I wanted to make sure that they understood. I've got to make sure I cover this house with the blood of the Lamb. Why is it so important? Because the Lord is passing through the Egyptians' land and he is bringing forth judgment to those that have signed on to the Egyptians' ways. And when he sees the blood upon the lintel or the doorpost of the house and on the two side post, and the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your house to smite you 
Oh, you're not getting what I'm talking about tonight. Uh, he said, if the blood is on the side post uh, and it's on the, and on the top of the frame, amen, the Lord will not suffer the destroyer to come into your house. Peter said it this way be sober be vigilant for your adversary the devil walketh about seeking whom he may devour and if your life doesn't have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost guess what the destroyer is welcome in your house but if I'm covered by the blood of the lamb I don't have to worry about the lion that's seeking to destroy my soul Oh, I hope somebody's getting a hold of what I'm talking about today. I got many more notes, but this is where we're going to stop today. Sister Tori, I don't know who's playing tonight. Come on and get ready. But I want you to understand, it's time for us uh, to do what Brother Farrell was talking about and plead the blood of Jesus, not just over me, but over my family, over my church, uh, over my pastor, over my brother, over my sister. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. Anything else? I don't know where my protection can come from other than the blood of Jesus. The apostle wrote this. He said, For I am bought with a price. The price that was paid at Calvary. The shedding of the blood of the only perfect one. And his name was Jesus. <laughs> I know, <clears throat> I know some of you are already praying. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but this is what I feel in my spirit tonight. There's something about unity in the body of Christ. I felt this a couple times already, so this is why I'm going this direction. I think it's about time. I don't know what's going on around this place, but I know at my church. Just yesterday, 
I was walking around the church and I was praying. And all of a sudden, I got an overwhelming urge to begin to plead the blood of Jesus over our church, over the building, over the pews. And I began to call every single child of God's name that goes to our church out to God and plead the blood of Jesus over their life. I said this morning, y'all weren't there, so I'm going to repeat it. I don't believe it's the will of God that anybody live in a state of defeat. Especially a child of God. I'm sick and tired of seeing frowns on Christians' faces. I'm sick and tired of when I walk up to somebody and all I get is the woe is me speech. There are times for it. There are times for it. You need to mourn sometimes. But honey, I believe that we ought to rejoice more than we mourn. Why? Because he has given us joy for mourning. He's given us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He gave it to me. Do you have the Holy Ghost? Then you have what it takes to have joy in your life. Honey, you have what it takes to have peace in your life. And so what I want to do in this house tonight, anybody ever been in a victory march? I don't want to leave this place with a heavy spirit. I don't believe it's the will of God. I know we could. We could say, man, God, I'm sorry. I've failed you. I've messed up. I've done this. I've done that. And that's all right. You need to repent. And if you need to repent tonight, we got a place for you right here. But we as a church, look, I've seen people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost during a victory march. I've seen lives completely change during a victory march. And while you're marching, I want you to plead the blood of Jesus on this church, upon your family, upon yourself, upon the brother in front of you, upon the sister behind you, and so on and so forth, and upon your pastor and upon Brother Hilton. Amen. We need the blood of Jesus to cover us like we've never needed it before. The enemy is mad. The enemy is rampant. The enemy doesn't want us to have victory, but it's time for us to be victorious today in Jesus' name. So what I want us to do, if you can't walk, I understand. But honey, if you got good healthy legs, I want you to get out of your pew right now. And I want you to start walking around this building. And I want to hear the voices of the saints of God calling on the name of the Lord, pleading the blood of Jesus.